and welcome to episode 99 of Inside the Cylinder. I am one of your hosts, Matt Way, writer for Detroit Bad Boys. You can find me at W-A-Y-M-A-T-T-H on Twitter. And I'm joined as always by my co-host, David Fernandez. David, what's going on? Tell the people where they can find you. Yo, David here, per usual. Um, I'm on Twitter at the underscore Fernandula. Uh, I'm not going to spell that at you, but you'll see us. You know, you'll see me on Detroit Bad Boys and whatnot. So, um, and yeah, all new episodes on Detroit Bad Boys as well. But uh, yeah, man, I'm feeling pretty good right now. Uh, all things considered, you know, it's uh, we're there's a lot of Pistons podcast. I don't necessarily know when all of them launch. Um, Actually, you're probably going to start seeing this show in your feed on um, Tuesdays uh, or possibly Wednesdays um, moving forward. So we are going to be a little bit more structured. Most likely, you know, more often than not going to be on a Tuesday where you'll see this show. So just something to keep uh, in mind as you digest some content. But as I was saying, a lot of Piston podcasts out there, I don't know how many of them are going to be recording after a fresh W, which is what we find ourselves in uh, that situation right now. Um, Detroit taking out the Philadelphia 76ers, 119-104, the Embiidless Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, so, Matt, any thoughts from what you just witnessed? Um, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts. And, you know, rare for the Pistons these days. Most of them are positive, I would say. Um, the Pistons played great tonight. It was really a, a total team effort. And I'll tell you, my number one takeaway from the game is just how Dwayne Casey really operated within the rotations. Um, you look at you know, most notably, Blake Griffin played only 25 minutes tonight. Um, we'll talk about Blake some more, I'm sure, later. Um, but but that, I think, is is a kind of a, a good spot for, for a good number for Blake, 20, 25 to 29 minutes a game maybe. Um, we saw Blake with four younger guys at one point at the start of the second quarter, Josh Jackson, Saban Lee, Isaiah Stewart, and uh, I believe it was Seku was was the uh, was the fifth, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, just just a lot of different type lineups than than we've seen. Maybe um, younger guys playing more significant roles in in some regards. We saw Seku get 17 minutes tonight and played played really well. Um, it, it just seems to me that Dwayne Casey is really figuring out this team. He's, he's calling the right numbers a lot of the time. You know, the talent still isn't there, obviously, to compete on most nights or to win on most nights. Um, but I do think that, that Dwayne Casey deserves some some credit. I, I, I do think he's really putting the team in better positions to to succeed um, with the, the rotations and with some, some set plays. Um, so I, I think, uh, you know, he's, he's been much maligned during his tenure in Detroit. And I, I think he gets some, some credit for uh recent play as, as well as, but especially uh, tonight's win over the Sixers. Yeah. And I think it's really difficult to sort of manage uh, those lineups because especially with how people are reacting to the team and the minutes and the lineups and whatnot, uh, a lot of these guys are playing similar positions, right? So you have Svi playing the shooting guard, Josh Jackson shooting guard, um, you know, any, anywhere between like the three or the two, the three and four spots. And a lot of these guys are interchangeable and play multiple positions. It's hard to find every single one of them bulk minutes. And on any given night, someone is going to to suffer a little bit. And tonight that was Svi. He didn't necessarily play well. He only played six minutes, so he didn't have a chance to sort of shoot his way out of it. But uh, I agree. I, I thought he did a good job tonight in getting a lot of the guys that I want to see regularly involved. Um, I wanted to also shout out, I don't think we can really discuss this game without giving DeLon Wright a major shout out. He played awesome tonight. Uh, 28 points. He had a, a near triple double, seven rebounds, uh, nine assists, two steals. He was a plus 22. Uh, he, he was all around just a, a fantastic tonight uh so i really do want to give him his proper due because 
I had spoken on this podcast last week saying that I'm approaching the, uh, you know, it's becoming unwatchable uh, to, to witness uh, DeLon Wright. And I, I take that back because I think he's had some pretty solid performances as of late. And um, he sort of fits that mold of a player that's not necessarily a guy that you're going to build around by any means or a uh, developmental type of player, but uh, he's not uh, an old vet essentially right now. So he's definitely worth uh, giving getting a lot of these minutes. And he's played, I mean, coming off of a, a career high performance, 28 points. So I thought that definitely needed to give him a shout out after that performance. Yeah, I deserve to honor an apology as well, because he has been really good. Um, he's not, I, it feels to me like he's not over dribbling as much, playing more within the offense. Um, the other guy that really deserves a, a shout out is Wayne Ellington. He scored 20 points tonight. He was plus 31 on six of nine shooting from deep, seven of 10 overall. He even added three assists. Um, and Wayne Ellington has just been like um, NBA jam levels of fire lately. He cannot miss um, when when he's just remotely in rhythm. He, he's just been awesome. And um, he, he's, he, he's, de- he's deserved the starts that he's, he's got. I don't know how you, how you can, can put him on the bench at this point. Um, did you have uh, did you have a main takeaway from the game tonight, Dave? Well, there was. I thought Josh Jackson played really, really well on both sides of the floor. He's a guy that I've been sort of keeping my eye on because he has been able to play. He's been playing pretty regularly, right around 21, 22 minutes per game on average. Yeah, he did get ejected from the game. I don't think he deserved that ejection for the acute reason in which he was in which he got that second technical. Um, but just overall, he was a big difference maker on the floor. Every time that the Sixers would trim the lead to single digits, it seemed like Josh Jackson made either a play on defense that led to a transition bucket or uh, just made a, a three or he just did something to slow that sort of surge from the Sixers and keep Detroit's head above water. Um, so all in all, he just had a really complete game. 12 points, seven rebounds, um, two blocks, two really, really impressive blocks, might I add. And uh, just all of the action that he uh, had tonight, I just thought was meaningful. And it's just something that I've been kind of patiently waiting for him to really put together a complete game. Yes, obviously, as I mentioned, he was ejected. But all in all, I was just really, really happy with how well he played. And, and I'm hoping that that'll sort of kick him into that right direction uh, that we saw that he had prior to the ankle injury earlier this season. So, yeah, I mean, that's just, uh, I guess, more from like a player perspective, but that's definitely one of the things that stood out to me after this game. Yeah, he was great. And if for those of lis- for those listening who who didn't see the game and maybe haven't seen any any highlights, make sure that you, you check out Josh Jackson um, approaching, confronting um Ben Simmons during during a timeout because it's it's great it's it, it was it was just you know I, I texted one of my one of my friends you know Josh Jackson just is Detroit like through and through you know he's from Detroit and he just he just has that swag that attitude much like Isaiah Stewart that you just you just love to see as a Detroit Pistons fan Definitely. I mean, he just fully was inside of the Sixers bench. Just like, I'll take on this whole team. I do not care. And then, you know, you got to love that type of uh, chip on your shoulder uh, out of a guy that, uh, you know, hopefully you'll be seeing a lot more of in Detroit and, and possibly building around. We're going to talk a little bit about that a little bit later in this episode. But let's get into, um, I guess, do you have any other final takeaways from the game, Matt? You know, the the only thing that I really wanted to mention um, you know, a lot of guys deserve credit. Um, a guy who maybe deserves less credit. Um, and, and I don't know if this is going to come across as a hot take, but Blake Griffin, you know, didn't have maybe the best game in the world tonight. Um, you know, the Pistons were plus 10 for his time in, on the court. Um, but I, I did like that he, I thought, played within the offense. I saw a couple of, couple of times where he kind of got – uh, one, one was an open open three, I think, to Wayne Ellington or DeLon Wright. Um, the other was kind of a, a, a play that got the offense kind of um, moving because the defense was a little 
off balance, but it, it was just like a, a quick touch pass kind of back to um, the person that he, that passed him the ball. Um, he's shooting more in rhythm threes. He, he just, you know, he's, he's not great anymore. Like he, that's, that's just who Blake is at this point, but I do think that he's playing more within the offense. I think that, that the Pistons and um, may, are maybe setting up kind of, you know, a role shift with Blake given his minutes and, and just some of the things that he's doing, he's coming off some screens, um, which is interesting. And and I am writing about this for, for the Detroit bad boys. We kind of teased this last uh, podcast. It's been less than a week, I think since we um, recorded last, um, but it, it should drop um, on Tuesday, January 26th, the same day as this, uh, as this podcast. Awesome. Yeah. And he also went up for a dunk on a putback, which was uh, surprising to say the least. Uh, so shout out for uh, trying that attempt. I'll, I'll give him that. I was surprised to see it, honestly. I think he was just, there was a lot of guys that were not so happy with Ben Simmons tonight, Blake Griffin being one of those. And I think that was an attempt to sort of uh, shove it in in, uh, in Ben Simmons' face. Uh, that, that's what I took away from that. Yeah, we've we've actually seen, and I meant to mention this too, like we've seen Blake maybe two or three times a game just attempt like a leap that we weren't seeing in, in the earlier part of the year. I, I feel like um like the results haven't always been there, but there seems to be a little extra gear, maybe. Um, but I you know, it's I guess it's something to keep an eye on. I, who knows how sustainable that is. <laughs> yeah, who knows how sustainable a singular jump is in a singular game? Uh, it doesn't. It hasn't been that way so far. So, uh, but we're setting the bar bar pretty low there. Uh, but let's move on. So we our first topic, and it's kind of a moot point because Jeremy Grant really did have a nice game um, coming uh, uh, or off of tonight's game. He had twenty five points. Just standard Jeremy Grant stuff that we're seeing now. Uh, he. He punches and bunches. I've said it before. 25 points, 13 shots. Really impressive. Uh, but he was struggling leading up uh, to tonight's game since we had last recorded. Uh, he struggled against the Rockets on Friday night. And then on uh, Saturday night, uh, he also struggled again against the Philadelphia Sixers. Did you see anything in those games that leads you to be concerned at all, Matt, just from from his struggles? Um, it did concern me a little bit just because it was kind of what I expected Jeremy Grant number one option to look like uh, coming into the year. Um, he, he, I, I think he forced things a little bit too much, especially with his shooting. Um, he shot really poorly in both games, even though I think he hit the 20 point mark um, at the end of the, the Rockets game, but everything just looked, uh, I mean, it never looks like, it, it doesn't always look super pretty with him, but it's effective. But I, I just thought he was forcing things a little bit. Um, and, and that's what I expected from him early on. So, he, you know, he's, he's obviously going to have times where he's just not going to shoot the ball as well. Um, and you, you definitely want to see him bounce back like you did tonight. Definitely. Uh, what I have to say, I have a couple. You know, I, I, I see these games as two completely different games, the Friday night game and the Sunday night game. On Friday night against the Rockets, he wasn't great. He shot 4 of 15 from the floor, but he regularly got to the line. He had 13 attempts. You mentioned it. He finished with 21 points. He was also a plus 14 when he was on the floor. Um, chipped in eight boards and three assists. So generally speaking, I just think that's a good sign. You're Maybe you're not hitting your shots, but you're still able to do other things to be productive, including getting to the line. Um, and to me, that's what good players do. You're not always going to have it going, but you still produce. He chipped in the 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 boards. He chipped in the assists. He got to the line. He, he was still a, a plus player, even though the shot wasn't falling. So that that to me was even more, I guess, positive because it just shows that type of next step that we have been seeing out of Jeremy Grant this entire season. Is that hey, really good players don't always shoot great from the floor, but they're still able to do a lot of things on the floor. And that's, that's what Friday night said to me more than anything else. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, when you, no matter what he does offensively, you know, he's going to bring it defensively. And I think it's, 
it's really important for his just overall value, whether it's with the Pistons moving forward or with someone else. You know, if if he gets to a point where his trade value is so high, you know, we're we're not there yet, but you know, he can appeal to teams on many different levels. You know, we we've seen him <clears throat> be so good as a number one option with so many limitations on the Pistons. But we also know, you know, he can play that role. He played in Denver. You know, he he can he can really be kind of a an off ball guy and be effective offensively. Um, he, you know, and you, you just know that he's going to bring it defensively. He's rebounding way better than I expected him to, and I think way better than he has traditionally. Um, so, you know, maybe. I don't know, maybe Jeremy Grant has a has a real role in this team moving forward. That's that's entirely possible um, because he can play so many different roles depending on how they build the team. You know, he, he's a guy that that's going to be very malleable in that regard. Um, so, I, yeah, he's he, he he's a great player. I love watching him, and uh, you know, I, I honestly I, I hope that they can make him part of the long term future in Detroit. He's 26 years old, you know, so he's uh, uh, there's definitely a lot of uh, tread left on the tires when it comes to Jeremy Grant. So, yeah, I don't really have much else to say. I I think I think it was more so a blip on the radar than anything else. Those two games, not that it's necessarily fair to expect Jeremy Grant to always put up 25, 27 uh, points per game um, consistently. But I think what we generally will be seeing moving forward is that he's just going to be this guy. He's going to be a 20-plus point-per-game scorer uh, for, for sure for the, the rest of the time that he's going to be on this Pistons team. Um, it, it's just his bag is, is very deep. He's got a lot of moves. He had a sick turnaround jump shot uh, in the paint today, uh, a little fadeaway that was just nasty. It's just something that I would never have expected him to be able to do um, so confidently, uh, and, but yet he's he's proven me wrong by leaps and bounds all season long. So uh, yeah, a lot of the things that I've seen from him are are positive. Whether that be a really good game or even in some of his bad games, I'm still seeing um, positive elements. Like he played really poorly against the Sixers in their first game, but he still had the confidence to shoot a late three to bring Detroit back into arm's reach in like the final minute, two minutes of the game. Um, just like a full on in transition, pull up three. And it's like, that's what good players do. Yeah. You might not have had a good night at all. You might still, you know, I think you finished with nine points, but you have the confidence to shoot that uh, late knowing that uh, it's uh, what you need to do to be able to get back into a game. So all in all, everything's been good from, from the Jeremy Grant side of things for sure. Yeah. And I, you know, one of the things he did tonight, I think like maybe three times um, and he's, he's been really kind of growing into is when teams are giving him too much space um, because they know that he's so good going downhill, he is not hesitating to just throw up a three right in their face. And he's been pretty effective in those situations. It seems Um, I don't have the numbers on, you know, it'd be hard to to find the exact numbers of those without tr- without tracking every three he takes. Um, but I've liked that, and obviously, I mean, we, again tonight we saw he had he had five assists. Like he's really turning into a legitimate playmaker for others, which is just great. If he just continues to build his game like this, um, gosh, he he could be something else by the end of the year. To me, right now, he's clear-cut most improved player, and it's not even close. I don't even know of another guy that's out there right now that has built from one season to the next as much as Jeremy Grant. So I'm going to be sounding that horn um, for the rest of the season until another player proves otherwise. Uh, But should we move on to our second topic? Yeah, sure. Just real quick on that point, Christian Wood is not – he has not improved like um, Jeremy Grant has um, any any notion that he has from from people who have watched the watched both of them the last two years. It's it's just totally false. Um, so I'm I'm totally with you there. 
we saw a lot of what, what Christian Wood is doing right now. We saw a lot of that the second half of the season last year. It's great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he definitely deserves nods and appellations and, um, but, uh, um, in general, uh, yeah, it's Jeremy Grant's to lose right now, in my opinion. But uh, all right, so moving on. So we did just want to talk about some of the young guys uh, and their future with this team. I didn't know how you necessarily wanted to like sort of take this, Matt. So I'm going to kick it off to you first. Uh, what is your thoughts, I guess? Uh, let's just start with Siku. He's been sort of the, the hot topic player as of late. Uh, what are your thoughts when it comes to his future with the Detroit Pistons? So Seku is the guy that I, I can just never really figure out. Um, you know, he, he played 17 minutes tonight. I think he played maybe only four, four or five in the, the first half and he didn't look particularly good, but then he came back in the second half and he did the things that make you love Seku. Like, you know, he was just really good defensively, I thought. He really is, for, for such a young, inexperienced player, I think he, he understands angles defensively along the perimeter very well. Um, just deny ball denials. He, he just, he was really good there. He hit a couple threes. Um, he, he made a couple cuts. He didn't necessarily finish them. Like, it, that, that, and that is, you know, who I think Seku needs to be. We, we've seen a guy like Jeremy Grant, you know, and, and in, in the past we, we've seen obviously really good ball handlers <clears throat> and what they do. Seku is, is nowhere near that right now. Um, he is a guy who, who really, I think needs to play at the four or even the five, which we've talked about a little bit on this, on this show previously. And he, because he, he just, he's not going to be successful going downhill when he's against quicker players. It's he's just not, not good enough with his handle or, or just his driving ability in general at this point, he, he really needs that, that speed advantage to, to make him um, successful because he just, he's, he has a tendency to just kind of run into guys and just throw up weird, bad shots. Um, so I, I, I struggle to find a, a good role for Seku right now, but if he can really embrace that role, it's kind of a three and D slasher. Um, I don't, it, it's going to depend on his development right now. Honestly, he feels more like kind of a sixth man type type guy moving forward, but you know, he can, he can obviously turn into more than that, but I, I think I'm a little lower on Seku than, than most of the fan base. I, I just need to see more on the court before I'm convinced that he's a real starting piece of this team moving forward. Yeah, with Seku, I had shared those concerns. I was actually looking up um, Pistons two-man lineups, and uh, he only had a positive net rating with one other Piston, and this was a small sample size. Can you guess that Piston? Or did you see my tweet earlier? I did not see your tweet earlier. Um but with the small sample size um, hint, I'm I would guess uh, Saban Lee. <laughs> it was Saban Lee. In 23 minutes, they had a plus 2.7 net rating. Uh, so there's just been a lot of. I agree with you with Seku. He's. It's been hard for me to put my finger on him. Um, I don't know, and I don't want to speak too emphatically either because he is he did just turn 20 years old so i'm not one of those guys that likes to label a guy 30 games into their career or after a summer league or i just really like to put things in into a larger perspective because i we've seen plenty of times it take a, a long time for certain guys to become really really good players and i don't see i don't see that as an impossibility with seiku but i agree with you in how the Pistons should be utilizing him right now. Uh, It's clear that his best weapons are his movement, cutting and slashing towards a cup, and those long strides and transitions with the length and athleticism to finish. Um, He's shooting 10 of 27 from three on the season, and I'm not mad at him when he shoots at all because usually they're pretty wide open, and he seems to – a lot of those seems to fall. So And he he rarely forces – 
bad jumpers and bad three-point attempts. Where he tends to get in trouble is when he decides to put the ball on the floor. He had two turnovers tonight, uh, both in the first half, where he uh, just tried to put the ball on the floor and do something going into the paint, and he got stripped on both attempts. So there's certain elements with his handle that I think he definitely needs to work on moving forward. Um, but he's got soft hands. He's strangely confident in transition still, even though his, his handle does need some work sometimes. Um, and uh, But in general, I do think that the Pistons do need to utilize him in those two variety of ways. And that's what they've done mostly this season when he has gotten extended playing time. I'm just hoping to see that a little bit more and more as the season continues for sure. Yeah. And so I just want to add one thing because it, w- it was one of those moments where, um, you know, as I was saying it, I, I realized, man, I might get torched on the comments for, for, for saying this. And, and that's when I, when I talk about, you know, what Jeremy Grant has become, um, and kind of comparing Seku and saying, you know, he's he's not there yet. I, I understand that like Jeremy Grant was was absolutely at a similar level um to, to Seku at one point. I think he was always a much better off ball guy. Um but but that is you know a trajectory that, that is possible for Seku. But you know we, we talked about Jeremy Grant being by far the most improved player this year. And a big reason for that is that like this type of ascendance um, improvement for Jeremy Grant is really pretty unprecedented. So I don't think that we should count on Seku doing that. But you know, I I really hope that Jeremy's taking Seku under his under his wing, and and showing him what it takes to to get to the level that he has. Um, I, I just I, I do think though that it, it's it's going to be it's going to take a lot for for Seku to to become that. Yeah, and, and I'm just hopeful that the coaching staff sticks to their word and tries to find avenues to get him more playing time. But I am concerned that the new regime isn't as committed to him since he isn't, quote-unquote, their guy. Um, right now, there isn't enough to, that we've seen to narrative uh, to warrant that narrative that I just said um, as like a real concern. But that doesn't mean I don't think about it from time to time. And we had talked about this on previous episodes earlier this season where, you know, a, a general manager comes in, cleans house. He, he's not that committed to a certain guy. He didn't draft that guy. He doesn't have to to hold on to stock for too long. So there isn't a, just a, a fear inside of me that the, that the coaching staff might – not necessarily coaching staff, but uh, leadership within Detroit um, – you know, might see it that way, but uh, I'm hopeful that's not the case and that they continue to to get him on the floor like they have over these past few games. Yeah, I don't know if you, you caught the the tweet, uh, uh, and I forget which beat writer tweeted it out, but after Seku made his corner three tonight, uh, one of the beat writers tweeted out that Troy Weaver gave him a standing ovation. And I was thinking the same thing you were just, you were just saying, and I said that, you know, I said to myself that that seems to be a good sign in, in that regard. He's at least he's at least cheering for his for his success. Um, I did see that actually, and I had the exact same thought. I was like, okay, maybe I, I kind of had a sigh of relief when I saw that. I don't know. I don't know. Why. I don't want to put too much anxiety into the airways for other people to to sort of uh, copy my my anxiety. I guess you could say. Sure. So the next guy on our list, um, in terms of talking about their future with the team, is Isaiah Stewart. Um, certainly a fan favorite to this point in his in his young career. David, what do you think about Isaiah Stewart and his future with this team? I love everything about him. I love that he ripped Dwight Howard shorts. Uh, I love that he got physical with Embiid on Saturday. I love that Dwight Howard threw him to the ground because he was frustrated in Monday night's game. Uh, I love everything about Isaiah Stewart. Um I, uh, I I was I, I did hear over the weekend I was listening to a podcast or something or maybe it was on Twitter I was surprised to have found out that he was at one point considered the top senior of his high school class uh, which makes sense because now I could totally see him having multiple thirty five point twenty rebound ten blocks type of nights against a bunch of high schoolers um, so it does that does make sense but I didn't know that he was that. Uh, highly regarded and I heard some 
if you haven't heard it yet, go back to Zach Lowe's podcast from last week and listen to, the, to him and Wasserman uh, sort of uh, fawn over Isaiah Stewart. That was pretty awesome. But for everything that they said and why they love him is, is equally why I love him. He's just a Detroit Piston. There are not many guys that are that I truly see as uh, that, that deserve that title. And Isaiah Stewart 100% is one of those guys. Yeah, he absolutely is. And I, I love Isaiah too. I think that I, I don't know that he's necessarily your starting center moving forward. Um, he feels to me more like in the Jason Maxiel type mode where like the guy is so lovable and he's going to be a piston for a long time. But he does have some limitations. Um, you know, we'll see how that develops. Um, but that that Jason Maxiel like is is his floor. To be clear, um, I, I fully expect him to be better than Jason Maxiel. Even though I think Jason Maxiel was pretty good during his time in Detroit, um, and, and hopefully he'll he'll be on the team on in, under better circumstances. Certainly. Um, but that's kind of the role I see him him playing is he's, you know, the the big off the bench who's really going to give you energy, fight hard every single night, and you know he can he can step in and and start, um, you know, if if you, if you need him to, you know, hope maybe you know if he if he develops a three point shot or even you know a, some mid range game and he figures out some of the, the finer points of defense, you're, you're really into something. Um, and then maybe he is a, a starting center. Um, but you definitely need to see him develop along the perimeter and defensively. Um, just if you're going to get him to be, I think, a, a positive starter moving forward. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily see him as a, a starting center moving forward. Uh, I see him in the same role that that you do. Uh, and I know we're going to have an article. I think Sean might be writing it. So I don't want to go too much into this. But he does need to uh, improve his defensive rebounding numbers. Th- those are, are pretty bad. And he's one of those guys who's great on the offensive glass, not as great on the defensive glass. Those are two different skill sets. So uh, um, that's something that he's certainly going to need to improve if he's uh, going to be uh, as good of a player as I think he can be, but I think he will. I, I Everyone talks about his work ethic, that he's one of the hardest workers that they've ever seen. Uh, Wasserman from um, ESPN did say that he is the hardest worker that he's ever seen on the floor. So I think that, that that's just going to, to ring true, and he's going to figure out a lot of these elements to the game. Um, and he's still really young too. So, um, But yeah, I... I can't say enough positive things about Isaiah Stewart and the negative things kind of get overshadowed when I see you rip uh, Dwight Howard shorts off in front on, on TV. <laughs> That's fine with me. It made, made me laugh and also uh, just uh, made me root for you even more. Absolutely. And so go, going to, I think another guy that we've seen uh, <clears throat> give it to the, the 76ers in the last couple games, especially tonight is Josh Jackson. Um, we, we talked a little bit about him earlier. Um, and his, his confronting of Ben Simmons, which, again, if you didn't see it, make sure you check it out. Um, a, a, a simple Twitter search will certainly get you there. Um, Josh Jackson, he is on a two-year deal, so he, he doesn't have, you know, he, the, he's not under control for the Pistons um, as long as one of the rookie contracts are or, or even Jeremy Grant. Um, but he's he's obviously done some good things. So what do you see um, as Josh Jackson's role with the team moving forward? Do you think they end up keeping him or is maybe he going to get a little too expensive? It'll be interesting. That'll be very interesting. Well, A, how, how does he play as his contract continues on? The coaching staff seems to be committed to him. Uh, he's struggled since returning from injury other than uh, tonight's game. But I still think that he's someone that I'd like to see continue to get significant minutes. Right now, as I mentioned earlier, he's averaging right around 23 minutes per game. Um, But, uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. I like Jackson. I could see him sort of liking the situation that he's in, being from Detroit, uh, finding his way in Detroit, uh, and wanting to stay in Detroit. Uh, So that wouldn't necessarily – that wouldn't 
shock me by any means. But at the same time, I don't know what the cap's going to look like when it's time to to re-up Josh Jacks. I don't know what other moves they're going to be making in the meantime. So it's hard for me to tell, but I, as a player, he brings a lot to the floor, uh, both on offense and on defense. And he is one of those guys that, uh, that this team lacks, honestly, is he, he has an ability to create his own shot. Not that he's as good as, obviously, Jeremy Grant, uh, but he is one of the few guys on this roster where you can put him into uh, ISO situations. You can put him into – you can just move him around the floor in a lot of different a lot of different ways. And he's still going to be able to find a way to be productive. So with Jackson, I'm hopeful he's one of those guys. But I, I, I kind of want to put like the brakes uh, – pump the brakes a little bit because I find myself when it's young guys and they start to play well, especially when they're coming off of a good game – so I just want to sign them to a seven-year contract. So I don't want to necessarily like speak that into existence right now. But at the same time, I've been happy with what I've seen out of Josh Jackson so far uh, with him in Detroit. Yeah, he, you know, it was it was really nice to see him bounce back tonight. Um, when his activity level is is up, and he, he's just a really productive player, and and I really think that the struggles were just a matter of coming off his ankle injury. It, I, we, we said it last time, you know, those ankle injuries are tough and, you know, everyone reacts differently. And it might just be that he's, he's just finally feeling truly comfortable with that ankle. And, um, you know, I guess we'll, we'll see in the coming, coming games, but that, that to me, he, he just looked, looked more free, more athletic when he was moving around today. Um, the, the the cap in a couple of years is is interesting. Right now, the Pistons only have forty eight million committed. We don't know what obviously the the cap number will be, but it, you know you'd expect it to be in the one tens somewhere probably. Um, the only contracts that that the Pistons are really committed to are Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley, and then the rookies. Um, you might have some more money committed towards fee at that point. So that 48 million number might, might go up. Um, but that's when Blake's contract is coming off the books still on rights contract comes off the books. So you're going to have money to work with. Um, if, if they can find, you know, a, say a Kate Cunningham or, or a major offensive wing in the draft next year, I feel like, Josh Jackson's chances to return might actually go up and, you know, it might be a positional issue, but he, he is just so good attacking every little inch he gives you, you know, you, he is truly one of those guys you give him, you give him an inch and he does everything he can to take a mile. Um, He just really is good at, at attacking weaknesses when the defense is a little off balance, um, his his defensive effort just coming off um, with, with help defense and all these chase down blocks we see, he he just is so much fun to watch. Um, you know, hopefully he can sustain it. Obviously, he's going to need to sustain it for two years to to get a, a real contract and and to get brought back. Um, but if he keeps up what he's done so far when he's been healthy. I, I really see him as a as a nice productive member of the rotation moving forward. Um, and I would, it, it, you know, if you had to make a decision right now, I would like to bring him back for an, another couple of years. I think. Yeah, I agree. He's one of those guys where it's like you you don't you can't really have too many of them. Oh, how tall is he? Six eight, six seven. He's yes. big. <laughs> yes, I think he's like six eight. Um, but anyway, I don't have it pulled up, but. Uh, I don't know. I, there's there's just a certain type of profile uh, in this league, athletic wings who are defensive minded and who have shown an ability to shoot the ball. Not that he's been shooting great since coming back from injury, but I, I think that that will uh, even out here. And uh, there's just I, I don't think you can have too many of those guys on your roster. So even if you do get a Kate Cunningham type of player, like you mentioned. 
I don't see any reason to have, to not have a Josh Jackson coming off the bench in that situation or you know possibly share the starting lineup. So, yeah, he's another guy that that I would uh, uh certainly uh like to see uh remain with Detroit, but we'll see what types of avenues and and how they go about this sort of team structuring moving forward. You mentioned Svi, he seems to be the one guy that's on the outside looking in, at least from a consistent uh, rotation uh, standpoint. As, as I mentioned, Josh Jackson is getting a lot of minutes per game. He is consistently playing. Um, they Seku has come around and is playing a little bit more. Svi seems to be the guy that's getting lost in the shuffle uh, compared to, to any of these guys, at least that we're going to talk to talk about tonight. Yeah, he, you know, he's his his minutes have been really inconsistent, um, but I think he's responded pretty well to them. Um, we just saw him have a have a really good game the other night after he had only played like three seconds, I think, in in the in the Rockets game. Um, you know, and that that's definitely a point to uh, you don't have to play every night to to develop. You don't have to play twenty minutes a night to develop. Um, and I, I've been encouraged with Sfi in what he's done off the dribble this year. Frankly, I like to see him do it a little more. Um, and, and I think he, he still has some work to do just with his, his shooting, not, not necessarily a stroke, but how he gets into threes. Um, you see him take a lot of off balance or, or not like perfectly on balance threes. And I mentioned this on Twitter tonight. I would really like to see him learn a little from, from Wayne Ellington because the way Wayne Ellington is just so ready to shoot and always has a plan to, to get his footwork right is, is just, it's a huge part of Wayne's success. And I I really like watching that. I'm a big footwork guy and I really like Wayne Ellington's footwork. And, you know, I I think Sfi can can learn a a thing or two from that. If you had to, pick one or the other. And obviously this is not how these things work, but if you had to, if, if you had to throw one of them, their next contract, their next three year deal, would you choose Josh Jackson or would you choose fee? I would choose Josh Jackson. Uh, like you said, you know, he's, he is listed at six, eight on basketball reference. Um, he just brings you way more on the defensive end. He might not bring you enough. Sh- he's, he's obviously not going to bring you as much shooting. As fee, but he can be at least a threat, which is um, something that's important in and of itself. Um, and, and he just he he's he's good off the ball, cutting and attacking. He's att- he attacks closeouts. Um, you know, like you said, you can't have enough of those guys. Like I want that's how what I how I want each and every one of my wings to 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 play. Um, and you add in his his defense. And it, it's it's a it's an easy decision for me. I would agree with that. Uh, although I do, there's still I, I just can't be I can't be satisfied. I want I want all these guys to play a hundred minutes a night. So uh, and that's not realistic. So I need to kind of sort of I don't know materialize in my mind what I would like to see from from the coaching staff moving forward uh, because. Uh, I would also like to see an unleashed V, but I would also agree with that. I, I would choose Josh Jackson as well. Um, well. Is it me or – sorry, go ahead. Oh, so uh, just on that point real quick, it would I, – I think it does make sense to get Svi some more minutes, um, you know, e- even preferring Josh Jackson because Svi is a restricted free agent this next summer. Josh Jackson has an additional year on his deal. So I do think you want to get Svi some extra minutes to really figure out uh, if he is going to be a part of the team moving forward. Or showcase him and try to move him for something down the road. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, what I was going to say before we talk about this last player is I feel like this team is a lot better than their record. And I, I don't mean to jinx the tank or to uh, or to speak towards what Detroit is trying to accomplish this year. But just player for player in how many games we've seen them lose by after leading big in the fourth quarter, leading big in overtime, uh, losing nail biters uh, here and there. It, it, this team, and I think the net rating would bear this out. I would have to pull it up, but I'm not going to do that right now. That this team is a lot closer to 
uh, I would say probably the 20th ranked team uh, in the NBA than the the, than where they are right now being dead last. Uh, just, I don't know, everything about this team just tells me, other than what I've seen from a lot of Blake Griffin, I will say that this year, uh, just makes me think that this team would be, it should be a, a lot better in the record book. Not that they should be from like a developmental organizational standpoint either. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I happen to have um, the basketball reference numbers up. And so basketball reference has a stat um, that the, that's called the, their simple rate, <clears throat> excuse me, the simple rating system, SRS. And what that is, is essentially point differential adjusted for um, strength of schedule. So it's, it's, a, it's a really good indicator of um, what has happened. And, and it's a pretty, it's, it's, a, it's a fair, at least predictive tool that you can use. And <clears throat> any guess how many teams the Pistons actually are better than coming into tonight? I would guess eight. Uh, you're close. It's it's seven. Um, and one of those teams <laughs> is the Cleveland Cavaliers, who everybody loves. Um, and they are fun. They're eight and eight. Um, but the Pistons are actually better than them in the simple rating system. And that is certain to improve tonight. Obviously, tonight's win is going to skew things a little because Joel Embiid was out. Um, so they didn't play the 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 you know Eastern Conference leading 76ers necessarily. Um, but you know, they're they've been better than the Miami Heat, for example. Um at, at three three teams in the West, four teams in the East. So, you know, given given that number, they they if you if you adjust for luck, they might not be that far out of the play-in tournament. Um, and they've certainly been, you know, there's been three or four games, don't you think, that they could have easily won if a couple possessions went differently? For sure. I mean, they could have won a bunch of these games if they didn't just absolutely shit away large fourth-quarter leads and overtime leads. So there's at least three or four games where they certainly should have clocked a a W in, in the old win column. But um, yeah, I don't want to go too far, but the Pistons do play the Cavaliers on Wednesday. So uh, we will see. Maybe uh, maybe they might win their first back-to-back game of the season. And uh, I know the tankers out there are freaking out, but uh, I still think they're going to be uh, situated well for the tank, just given that they started off this season 4-13. and I will be there for all of the Isaiah Stewart-Andre Drummond minutes. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, all right. So last guy that we that we're going to talk about is Sadiq Bay. Uh, I, I guess uh, he's been one of the guys that has uh, his minutes have decreased a little bit as of late, but in general, he's still seeing steady time on a nightly basis. Anything that that you want to know about Sadiq Bay and his future with this team? Yeah. So Sadiq is, you know, like Josh Jackson, except he can really shoot it. Um, he, he isn't, you know, the attacker, uh, the two-point shooter that Josh Jackson is, but he's another one of those defensive wings that can really just help you, help any sort of team. Um, <clears throat> his three-point shooting has been terrific. He hasn't played very well lately, but, you know, he's a rookie. I, it doesn't really concern me at all because I don't see him really doing – a whole lot of things differently. Um, he's just kind of going through a funk. Um, so he's, he's definitely a guy that I foresee as being a part of, of the Pistons long-term future. Definitely. And for a team that has had what seems like absolutely zero wings to be excited about over the past four or five years, we are talking about three of them in this segment alone that both you and I are not three of them. Um, Cause we talked about, I guess Siku as well, Seku as well, but Jeremy Grant, who we talked about earlier uh, in this episode. But uh, Sadiq, uh, I, all in all, I'm loving what I'm seeing out of Bay. Uh, it looks like he's going to be in the league for 10 plus years with that stroke. He's shooting 39% from three going into tonight's game. Um, I would love to see him continue to work on his post up game. I think that's one avenue that uh, I, I think he could improve on. Uh, pretty immediately because he does get some quality looks. He just hasn't converted them as you'd expect. And he's had a lot of them kind of pop out, but 
he had a nice little back down on Danny Green on Saturday's game and hit that jumper in the paint. Um, and I also would really like him to start working on his relocation in some of these spot-up situations. Uh, he's really been more of a catch-and-shoot guy so far this year, but I would like to see him sort of navigate uh, in these catch-and-shoot situations. One dribble, two dribble to your right, one dribble, two dribbles to your left. Kind of work it a little bit more to find even more quality looks. But all in all, I'm super happy with what I've seen out of Sadiq Bay, And I think there's a very clear reason why a lot of the scouts and GMs, whoever were interviewed in, in that poll that said that Detroit – had might have gotten the steal of the draft when, when they picked up Sadiq Bay at 19. Um, he's just ready-made for the NBA. Yeah, and he's another longish wing. You know, the wings we're talking about, um, Josh Jackson, 6'8". I don't know what his wingspan is. Sadiq Bay's got a 6'11 wingspan, which is really pretty perfect for a small forward these days. Um, Jeremy Grant's long. You know, they it's something that's been missing for the Pistons for a long time is these long wings. They, they've always just been kind of dwarfed by big teams. And uh, it's good to see Troy Weaver going in the opposite direction. Definitely. And a 6'10 wingspan for Josh Jackson. Just looked it up. Yeah, uh, we, we know the wingspan's not an issue if you've seen him block some of these shots this year. Definitely. <laughs> that man is just a freak athlete. Uh, but yeah, I don't have anything else. Uh, this was a fun one, Matt. We'll talk about a little W. It's a little different energy in this podcast tonight. Yes, absolutely. It's uh, it's fun to talk about positive things, um, despite being <laughs> de- despite being Detroit. I guess maybe especially because we are Detroit sports fans, um, we take whatever we can get. And we just finished the year 2020 of our Lord. So uh, there, there's, uh, we're not used to it at this point. But uh, yeah, definitely. And as always, as I said earlier in the podcast, follow us on the Detroit Bad Boys podcast stream and on Twitter at Inside the C-Y-L-N-D-R. And we will catch you all next week. Peace.